This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to LinkSoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to NestBedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, goal! Go, hey! It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judging blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town. Only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. You know, we're just sitting on the field here, yucking it up with the great Alex Jensen, who's now Cal football great. For all you Bears out there, you need to realize, since Alex Jensen has joined your broadcast, the Cal Bears are 2-0 on the year. That's something to be said. And Alex will be on our air tonight, A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Commander, how are you on a... It's a Monday, right? Yeah, it's a Monday. Uh, big, uh, big weekend. Um, got to see Joe Boyle debut for the A's. Oh my uh, God! Great NFL Sunday yesterday. Oh my God! I asked Ken Korak yesterday, and I'm just—I—I I, I don't know if it's just me or was this out of line. I need to know next year, Game One playoffs. Who are we starting? Are you going Joe Boyle? Or are you going J.P. Sears? I asked the Hall of Famer, Ken Korak, that after the game. He was a little taken aback. I don't know why. Am I putting the cart before the horse? Uh, No, I don't think so. I mean, you have to put it out into the universe, as they say, for it to come true. So are you going Boyle? Are you going Sears? Korak rebounds and throws back at me. He throws his own curveball and says Mason Miller. And I'm like, huh. I might have Mason Miller closing out game one of the playoffs next year, not starting. I would say, why don't we do a tandem 3-3-3? Have all three of them go. No, no, we tried that in the wild card game at Yankee <laughs> Stadium. didn't work. Um, well, uh, you know what? It's not a different strategy. Now it's a three-game series. If it was a one game, you use all three of them. But now it's a three-game series. you got to save them for extra yeah. starts. And then now you're going to have to figure out where Joey Estes is going to pitch in that series. That's true. I'm- so we have a lot to contemplate today when we look at next year. For the playoffs, who's going to be the lead dog out of the gate? Because, Boyle, let me tell you, yesterday, if you watched the A's game, if you did not watch the A's game, you saw what everybody has been has been saying and seeing inside. Our, where's my notes? Did you take my notes? No. I brought them down. Oh, they're there. Um, 
you saw what everybody's been seeing ever since he's been traded over for Sam Mole is you got a dude who's 6'7". He's 240, but, you know, just watching him, the thing that you notice is just how athletic he is at 6'7". And he carries the size really well. And he was fabulous. I mean, his fastball cutter combination, obviously he's a high 90s guy. They say he can get triple digits. Cutter was fantastic. Curveball, I mean, he's, he's amped up. He's got the family here. He had a lot of family. I get it. A couple curveballs in the dirt, but once he started feeling it, you're seeing this guy has touch along with the big-time stuff. We see so much now in baseball, a lot of big-time stuff with no feel. They don't know how to pitch. We saw Boyle, and you can always say this, too, about a guy in his debut. You never quite know because a guy is so – I mean, you're amped up. I mean, this is your childhood dream. Your whole life you've wanted to play Major League Baseball. You're getting your opportunity. Your parents are here, your brothers, your sisters, your grandparents, whoever. Everybody's here. They're in the stands. And who knows how you're feeling, how fast that heartbeat is going. So you kind of have to go, well, it's his first start. Who knows? But – I was very, very impressed. And what I like about it, what I'm going to be so happy about when we actually get to see Joey Estes, who, you know, you're talking about another guy coming over from the Matt Olson trade, is you're going to see, instead of us going to spring training, name, stats, no clue, now we're going to have seen them. So this offseason, when we start talking about, hey, what are the 2024 A's going to look like? How are they going to compete? How are they going to win games? We've talked so much about the young core. Give me the young core. Give me as much as possible. We're finally getting that. Well, now we got bodies to look at. we got some work to look at. we got a little bit more to talk about here on Ace Cast Live is we're going to be able to talk about these guys because we've seen them. So that's – I don't know if Estes is going Wednesday, if he's going Thursday – he is going to pitch. Uh, did Mark Kotze mention it before the game? Uh, not that I know. I, saw, I remember seeing Martin Gallegos of MLB.com uh, tweet out yesterday that he was getting caught up. Didn't say who was well, getting sent Martin down. Actually, Martin would be tweeting it right now. If he... Yeah, because Kotze talked or, yeah, he already spoke. So, yeah, um, I don't know if they said when he's going to. It hasn't been announced yet by the team because we didn't get the uh, the email yet about him being on. Because I think you have to add him to the 40-man roster. He's going to start on Wednesday. There it is. Because I saw Wednesday was TBD. So, it's. Sears today, Blackburn tomorrow, and then Joey Estes Wednesday against the Mariners. I mean, it. I mean, this is so early, right? But you start looking into, well, okay, next year. Blackburn probably going to be here. You start thinking about Sears, and we're going to get to Sears as he is getting to a mark that's really big in A's history. Hey, you don't really think about J.P. Sears and A's history, but if you look what he is going to do tonight, he is a part of a very small group in Oakland A's history. We will get to that. But you start thinking about Joe Boyle. You start thinking about hopefully Ken Waldichuk. I mean, there's the good Waldy, the bad Waldy. Which Waldy's showing up today? But you just start thinking about all the different guys that you're going to need in spring training, all the different arms, and we've worried about do we have power arms. Well, what we're seeing, we do have power arms. There are some power arms. What will Mason Miller be? We've got stories to tell going to spring training, but we're not at spring training yet. Aaron Goldsmith, great broadcaster for the Mariners. I was listening to him on the way home on SiriusXM. Was it yesterday? Were they Sunday Night Baseball? 
Getting swept by the Dodgers? I don't think they were Sunday Night Baseball. Sunday were they night. Saturday Night Baseball? They might have had to get a game on Saturday. Yesterday was somebody else I thought for Sunday, Saturday night, Sunday night Baseball. The great baseball Betty is here on the field. I don't know. There she is. <laughs> there she is. Mrs. America. It's a great thing about being on the field. We get to see all of our friends. The great baseball, Betty. Aaron Goldsmith is going to be here at 415. Easton Lucas, who came over in the Shintaro Fujinami trade, will be here. Says TBD. Yeah, I'm assuming after BP. TBD. That's what, I started. That's what our starting pitcher said Wednesday until now. Uh, you know who else is here? Bobby Crosby's here. The great Bobby Crosby, friend of the program. Still looks like he could go out and play. Oh, by the way, Sunday Baseball, Diamondbacks, Cubs. So then I was I listening to him Saturday? Might have been, yeah. It would have been a Saturday night game. And then we're going to have Dallas Braden coming up here at 5 o'clock. So that is your show as Aaron Goldsmith is stopping by right now. We can get to him right yeah. now. Right. We can get to him right now. Bobby Crosby is back. Hey, man, you look like you could play right now. You look like you could go out and play right now. Great to see you. Bobby Crosby, manager of Midland, who just recently joined us, wrapping up the Rockhound season. Bobby Crosby looks like he could go out and give you four ABs right now. How are you? What's up, man? I was just talking about you that uh, I think it was Saturday night. You guys had the Saturday night. You were on uh, the main channel on Sirius XM on the way home, channel oh, 89. Really? And you guys had a little uh, Dodger baseball. That we was did. Not, a, not a good weekend for you. It was a bad weekend. It was a bad weekend. Uh, yesterday was a bad loss for the Mariners. The Angels had their booze lineup, their hungover lineup, uh, <laughs> after they clinched the night before, and the Mariners had one of their better starting pitchers on the mound. The Logan Dodgers. Gilbert. The Dodgers. Yeah, what did I say? I said Angels. Them. Oh, sorry. Well, we they have a booze lineup, yeah, they, but that's yeah, a whole different. Most, more day, most days than not, yeah. <laughs> Mariners actually handled the Angels before. Uh, yeah, and then the Mariners, unfortunately, got swept, and you were thinking – my thought was for the Mariners, if if you could win yesterday and you can go into Arlington on Friday, Thursday's a day off for the Mariners, on a on a W4, which I know your listeners won't enjoy hearing, but if the Mariners want to win the division, they got to start racking up wins in a hurry now. Yes. And it gets real fast, right? And uh, they couldn't handle it yesterday, and they got swept, and, and so it starts today. And the Mariners, if the division is still a possibility, certainly, but it's you're going to need to really – really get some big dubs against some big teams in the final week and a half in particular. Well, on this program, we love to gamble. Oh, good. But the problem is we're Major League Baseball employees. We're not paid by a radio station or a TV station. We're bound by MLB rules. So we cannot bet cash, so we bet food, dinner bets. Okay. And so last year, you know Cody, my producer, not the brightest guy in the world, bet me that nobody would throw 200 innings. Really? Is this a spring training bet? That was last year's spring training. He made a – and you got to – these are expensive bets. So we make sure we're going top-notch restaurant. You're going to have to pull out the credit card. The plastic's going to get beat up. He bet me nobody. And my guy, Sandy Alcantara, he had it nailed for me. I think I, like nine guys did it. I, I, I was, was going to ba- say six. Was it nine? It was, some, it was somewhere – it was under ten. And I, ba- I based it off of the lockout – and we come, you know, guys weren't ramped up, and okay. I thought, okay, maybe they're not going to get there. 
I mean, we're, all, we're not going to have very many guys do it this year either. Well, the bet was last year, yeah. and that was your problem. So this year's bet, <laughs> this year's bet, it just it bothered me. I have nothing against the Mariners. We have nothing against each oh, other. That's great. Right? No, yeah, we, yeah. It's all friendship. But he was just Mariners this, Mariners. I, oh. thought, he, I thought he was the Mariner hey. moose for a minute. Me, hey, he's got some moose qualities. So I, I bet him. I said, okay, time for a little food bet. This one's for Mexican food. Okay. Mariners, I, I said, forget the division. I say the Mariners don't even make the playoffs. Okay, the spring training bet again? Spring training bet. He He's Mariner Moose. He had you guys win in the World Series. I said, so uh, right Don't go now, that far. So, so right now, all you have to do is make the postseason, and he wins the bet. And right now. I'm, I'm sweating. We're teetering right now. It's it's This is a get-right series for you if it there is. was one. Yeah, absolutely. I, I still feel, and anything can happen, obviously, yeah. but I do feel like the Mariners will make the postseason. I think that they, they are in a September funk so far. September did not start off particularly well. They had a gauntlet of a road trip. And they were coming off just the highest of highs, right? They had a record-setting all-time, truly, not, I'm not just saying these things. They, they had the best single month they've ever had in franchise history in August. Yeah, you're 21-6. and six. Yeah, it was amazing, right? Everything went right. And then you had a day off, and then you flew out to New York, and you started a 10-game road trip, New York, Cincinnati, four in Tampa. Was that the Run DMC outfits? Uh, that would have been the Run DMC outfits, yes. I thought it was a great idea. Hasn't been so hot. Well, you know. But it looked great. It looked great. And uh, I think it would be more uh, lack of pitching and offense that has resulted in what's going on. And a lot of the kids are going, who's run DMC? For us guys, we remember the great run DMC. Yeah, it's. uh, but I think the the Mariners still certainly have a very good chance of getting to the playoffs. But they have to get this thing turned around on a dime pretty quickly. The pitching in particular has not been the same this month. And – the offense, the offense is going to cool down. That was that was inevitable. They couldn't sustain what they had been on. Although Julio sustained his level of play basically for two and a half months right now, which he is pretty remarkable. Like, I was like in our notes, you know, these MLB notes we get. I mean, it's like every night, it's like he's hitting four ninety three for a twelve game yeah. stretch. You're like, Jesus. We I mean, get seventeen hits in four games. Yeah, most ever, and uh, you know that four game stretch that we always talk about that's so important in baseball history. But who cares, man? He he's he's leading the league in hits. Uh, I think Julio is. You can make a really good argument that he's putting together one of the all time single seasons in franchise history. I mean, he will, and that's a big deal in Mariner history. Yeah, I mean the Mariners yeah. have obviously had their struggles uh, when it comes to the bottom line of wins and losses, but the Mariners Mount Rushmore is. <laughs> it's, it's I mean, like the, like the NBA Jam of Mariners baseball <laughs> is as good as it gets, right? Um, but Julio, as of right now, is leading the league in hits. Uh, he will very possibly win a Silver Slugger Award. He is deserving of a Gold Glove now. That's about as ambiguous of an award as it gets, right? Like there is – Kiermaier could win it. Luis Robert Jr. could win it. But Julio, the eye test and the advanced metrics all say the same thing. Julio has been an elite defender in center field. He could win the gold glove. Uh, he could easily be a top five MVP vote getter, right? I mean, yeah. how close could he get to Otani? Could he be the runner-up? I mean, we'll see what the next two weeks in particular do for the Mariners and how big of a part Think of ALS too. Corey Seager, it's a lot of ALS. Yeah, too. Well, I mean Seager's had obviously an injury-shortened year, but he's been brilliant when he's been out there. Uh, he's had a 30-30 season. He's at he's got a chance for a 35 homer, 40 steal, 100 ribby season. All of this as a 22-year-old. I mean, it's remarkable, and the fact that it's been so backloaded since the All-Star break. I mean, he was basically even by his own standards, lofty standards, an, an average major league hitter going into the All-Star break. And then he is just 
caught absolute fire. It's been, it's been like I don't think I've, I could I can really compare it to anything else I've ever seen before, uh, where a guy has been this locked in for this long and has elevated the play of his team to the degree that Julio has. The dumpster fire that is the San Diego Padres were just here, and our buddy Bob Melvin, and then the. It was a huge article. Kevin Acey is a great journalist. He's been writing for years for the San Diego Union Tribune. When I did all my Raiders shows for the Oakland Raiders, he was my San Diego Charger guy. Of course, we both have had to move on from our NFL careers because the teams move, but I know how good he is, and he wrote that bombshell for the San Diego Union Tribune. A lot was around Machado and leadership and everything. It's hard to say I'm going to pay a guy. He's going to be the main guy. And just expect him because you pay him a lot of money to be a great leader. I think that's what you got in J-Rod. That's something that you just don't know, but he seems like somebody that a team, a clubhouse can rally around. We can't expect that. I mean, we really pay you for your numbers. Mm -hmm. We don't know what kind of culture you're going to help set in the clubhouse. But from afar, it looks like Julio's the type of guy that He's someone you want to build around, just not his ability, but what he can do for you in the clubhouse. The Mariners made it very clear when that extension was brokered and announced last year that they invested in Julio the person as much as they did Julio the player. Now, I think it's unfair. I think we can all agree that as a then 21-year-old, now 22-year-old, like it's tough to be a leader of men in a major league clubhouse as a 21 or 22-year-old, right? Now, this is a young Mariners team, but it does have some – still veteran presence to it I think guys like J.P. Crawford in particular are probably seen more as the leader of this team Uh, but there's no doubt Julio is the man I mean he is the face of the franchise J.P.'s got more service time he's been around the block a few more times and he just so happens to be having just a tremendous career year I mean it's been he's he has done things offensively that he has never done in his professional career, or at least at this level. So I think Julio becomes more of that guy uh, when he's no longer 21 or 22 years old. But I will say this, like Julio has a charisma, and I'm sure you guys can even pick up on it from afar, where he'll be the guy who just takes the wireless microphone after an on-field interview. He'll just take it out of the reporter's hands that's doing the interview as he's been doused with the Gatorade bucket, and he'll just start talking to 40,000 people inside T-Mobile Park and thanking them <laughs> for coming out, right? Like yeah. He has the charisma. It. And he has the magnetic yeah. draw that it, he's the total package, man. It's it's truly incredible. I, I can't imagine really having a player that you'd rather build a franchise around. I mean, it'd be a great debate, and there's not a – you can have a lot of right answers, right? But – it's tough to find somebody that's more compelling. Maybe equally, but it's hard to find somebody more compelling than Julio Rodriguez. There is no question about it. I mean, I've been lucky. I've covered NFL, NBA. There is something to – it's like Steph Curry. There is something to Steph Curry in just not his abilities on the floor, what he is in the clubhouse, and I'll take it to Griffey. Griffey was not that guy. Griffey was the guy who showed up. He was, like, one of the most talented guys we've ever seen. Hat backwards, take BP, didn't watch videos, showed up, and just played, right? Right. Griffey will never – and Trout, they're not known as great leaders. You can't, like, teach that. Great players are great players, and you need them. But when you have that special it factor guy, it's, like, precious time to have that. It's like – like you said, the Mount Rushmore is unbelievable, but I don't know if Seattle's had a guy like this when you talk about the it factor and he's got everything. I remember having a conversation with one of the Mariners' former strength coaches, and he said that in Arizona during the offseason, 
he was working out with Julio. And Julio is, of course, just this incredible specimen, right? Like this amazing blend of power and speed that the game really does not have many of. And the strength coach was telling me how when they were done with their workout and the two of them were talking, this is a young Julio. This would have been like a 20-year-old Julio. Said, hey, what do I need to do to be great in this game from your point of view, from the strength and conditioning point of view? Like, I don't want to have a great season. I want to have an elite career. How do I string this together for 10 to 15 to almost 20 years? And he's saying this as somebody who had not stepped foot on a major league field, who was probably 20 years old at the time, uh, maybe an old 19-year-old Julio. He's had that type of a vision, and he has known that this is what he is capable of. And he's had adversity. I mean, last year he wins the Rookie of the Year, and he blows up on the scene. But April was a horrific month for him uh, for a variety of reasons, and some of which were out of his own control, and then it popped. And this year he had all the pressure in the world of following up last year's Rookie of the Year season, being the face of a franchise that he just helped take to the postseason for the first time in 20 years. His city is hosting the All-Star game. We saw what he did in the Home Run Derby in Los Angeles. <laughs> we all knew Julio's got to do the Derby again, and you want to see him in the game as well. And I think the weight of all that, all of that, you compound all that to a 22-year-old who's been in the big leagues for one single season, and I think that's a big reason why we saw the first half that we did. Well, again, not a bad first half, but it wasn't the trajectory that we thought it was going to be hit the ground running. That, and I'm sure, as he's talked about, some mechanical adjustments has turned him into, outside of Mookie Betts, for the last couple of months, the most electric player in baseball. Good looking, got that smile. He does, man. I he's, mean, he's got the whole thing. He's got the whole thing. Uh, you always want to have your destiny in your own hands. You don't have that with the division. But, boy, these two series uh, coming up against Texas, big. You got seven games left with Texas, four of them at home, and those four in the season. Obviously, the Mariners did not enjoy waking up this morning and knowing that if the playoffs began today, they would not be in it, right? It was not that long ago that they were the top team in the American League West. Uh, Things have happened since then, obviously. But if you were going to lose three games in a row, I suppose better it be to the Dodgers than to the Rangers or the Astros. Uh, the Mariners have the opportunity to go mano a mano to the two teams that they're looking up against, and they can do it. We've seen it. They have, have the ability. And the thing, too, and I'm sure you guys have, have talked about something similar, there's no Atlanta Braves in the American League. Like, that team does not exist in the American League, the Goliath that has no weaknesses, right? I can map out a path for basically any team – in the American League playoff conversation for going all the way to the World Series. And I can map out a path for basically any team in the American League playoff picture to get bounced immediately. I mean, every team has flaws right now. Then I like that. What is the path for the Mariners to make it, and what is the path where they don't make it? Well, I can tell you what the recipe is, right? I think one of the great things that we've seen unfold in the last few years where the Mariners, I mean, you guys remember, right? There was the, even, it felt like, not long after DePoto and Service took over, but it, they were into this whole thing when they tore it down, right? And then you had to go through the rebuild, and then you had the COVID season. And now in the last couple of years, few years, it's really started to take off, yeah. right? And part of the reason why is because I think when you watch Mariners baseball, you have a very clear idea what Mariners baseball is supposed to look like. And I don't know how many teams really can say that. Maybe, maybe it's over half. I don't know. But for Mariners baseball to be effective, it starts on the mound. It's dominating the strike zone. It's attacking the strike zone with first pitch strikes. 
the Mariners are on a historic all-time record-setting pace right now to do exactly that. It starts with the pitching, both on the rotation and the bullpen, which has continued to be great, which is such a hard thing to do, right, to have the bullpen be great year after year with really a lot of different relievers out there. On the offensive side, it's two things if you want to distill it down. It's take walks and hit bombs. <laughs> Throw strikes, take walks, hit bombs, and don't give them up. And the Mariners did that exceptionally well last year. It led them to their second straight 91 season and a playoff berth. When the Mariners were not going well this year for the first three months of the season, uh, the pitching was magnificent. Like You can't knock the pitching. The offense was not walking nearly enough. They were striking out second only to the Twins, and they weren't slugging. They weren't hitting enough doubles. They certainly were not hitting enough home runs. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but opening day actually, I don't know if you knew this, in Seattle it began July 1st. That's when opening day started. That's when the season began because that's when things happened for the Mariners offensively. Just the switch was flipped. And You do realize we're in Oakland and we want to forget this year <laughs> ever happened. You want us to go back to July? We're, we're just – we're already talking spring training sure. 2024. It is amazing. The Mariners <laughs> the Mariners continue to strike out, but they've done so much damage with the balls they've put in play relative to the first three months that you can weather the strikeouts because in July and August in particular, the slug was through the roof and the walks went up, and you still had this elite-level top three pitching staff in baseball. When you combine those things, that's Mariners baseball. We saw it really come together for about a two-month streak. It hasn't happened, especially surprisingly on the pitching side in September. They've fallen behind in counts more often than we're used to seeing. We, On the last road trip, the Mariners went one turn through the rotation without a quality start, which is, like, unheard of in Mariners land. That doesn't happen. Uh, and if you go back to the Dodgers series that we began talking about where they got swept, they hit a home run, and it was a solo home run and they left 30 men on base in three Ooh. games. Now, the Mariners are not a runners-in-scoring-position team like the Guardians. Like, let's just let's fillet some balls to left, right? Let's smoke one up the middle. Let's get some singles and some doubles. In August, they did everything, and it was a, this unconscious month. But when things are more normalized in Mariner land, runners-in-scoring-position is driven by bombs and doubles. Yeah. You know, it's just let's bring them all in on a tank or let's bring home two on a double down the line. And they haven't had that so far this month. So, you're right. It is a get-right series. The Mariners need to take advantage of it. They've played the A's well this year. But the A's have had some notable. Getting better. Yeah, they have. Getting better. There's, I mean, you can't help but notice that. So, there's nothing. nothing's guaranteed right now. But they got to get these. They have to. I want to get you out of here one more thing. Obviously, with social media, when something gets out there and then the reaction that everybody can have is so different than what we had in sports years ago. And you think about George Kirby and what happened with him and the start and the the innings and the pitching. Uh, should I go out for the seven? All that whole thing. And then all the ex-players right. weigh in and everything. How, how did you handle it as a broadcaster? Because you work for the team. How did you handle it? And just what were, you, were your thoughts on what he had to say? Well, for one, I was surprised by it because George is a, a relentless competitor. Yeah. And he's a pretty sour guy when things don't go well for him on the field, to give you some indication of just how desperately he wants to be great. Like, there are – anybody in the clubhouse who talks about George Kirby will tell you that he's the best at anything he does. Like, if he goes and plays golf, he's the best golfer. If he plays ping pong, he's the best ping pong player. If he's on the mound, he's the best pitcher. Like, he's a – he looks like your tax attorney, okay, but he is 
He's an animal when it comes to competition, like, truly, truly. I give George Kirby and Scott Service all the credit for how this was handled. Now, I didn't get, admittedly, I didn't get caught up in whatever type of storm there was with Roger Clemens. Like, I know those things were tweeted and said. I, I honestly, I don't know how quickly that died down and how much there still is kind of drifting about that. But the next day, before anybody spoke to the media, George Kirby held a media session at Tropicana Field. He owned up to it, that that was not something he should have said, that that's not who he is. I mean, he fell on the sword. And then when Scott Service spoke to the scrum, a couple of hours later, he could not have been more open and forthright and saying, George made a mistake. I said things that were done when I was 25 years old that I wish I had back. He's an intense competitor, and he let his emotions get the best of him. And George and I have had multiple, both over the phone and in-person meetings about this, and we're all in a good space. Like, it, w- it could not have been handled any better. It's professional. Yeah, by the yeah. two people involved, the center, centermost to this whole thing. So, in terms of the Mariners' world, that's was put to bed as soon as Scott had those comments about it. Like, if Scott had said, I'm not talking about that, that's that's between me and George. It starts to, you know, it kind of hangs around some more. But they both attacked it head on. They were brutally honest about it, how it made everybody feel, what the mistake was, and how it won't happen again. Like, I applaud both those guys. They really handled it well. You know, I'm not going to ask you your best Eric Caro story again. Oh, I love EK. Probably my, my favorite was... The post game in San Francisco, where he was already out, <laughs> heading to the airport, and you're still on the air. He's a pro. He's, a, he's got a he's got a flight to catch. That's <laughs> the best. Thank you for coming hey, down. It's great seeing you you're guys. You're the man. Yeah. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You got to go to their website right now, linksoul.com. The new polos are unbelievable. New colors, lighter weight. We got our new summer shipment, Cody. I couldn't be happier. I look better, all thanks to Link Soul. So we're talking about new polos. You can check out their shorts, anything you need for summer. They have it right now. When you go to their website, they've got a smoking summer deal. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is the biggest series of the year. This right here, these next three games, are the biggest series of the year. Mariners 21-6 and six in August. They're terrible in September at 5 and 11. This is spoiler time. This is to make me 2 and 0 against the commander in bets two straight years. He's he, 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 he's so puckered right now. Remember, I mean, you guys may not remember, but I I mean, oh my god, you would have thought he was King Griffey Jr.'s kid. He was so on to the Mariners. Mariners this, Mariners that. He had a Edgar Martinez jersey. 
Actually, I have an Etro one. He had a he had an A rod before he was on steroid shirt. I mean, he was Mister Mariner. Jay Buner. You <laughs> Jay Buner. I mean, you would have Dan done. Wilson. Mike Blowers was his best friend. Where's Randy Johnson? Well, I go I go so far back. Joel Pinheiro, Freddie Garcia, that that, that era. Oh, that's Mariners. really old. How about if you ever heard of Alvin Davis? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was Mr. Mariner. How you feeling now, Mr. Mariner? Ken Griffey Sr. This is the biggest series of the year. The A's take two out of three. This could this could end it. This uh, this is and but but seriously, beyond beyond our food bet. This is what it's about. I'm just excited because my guy Woo's Woo on, on the mound tonight. From out Al- where is he? Malamita High? Yeah, he's from Fremont, I think, right? Well, I'll tell you this. These series mean something to the young A's. Because that last, you know, that was awful against San Diego. That was a joke. That was a joke. And you know what? But this division, you're playing against a team that matters. Let's go. And just got good news. I'm not reporting anything. I just talked to him coming off the field. If you listen to this show, if you listen to uh, the A's Clubhouse show, I'm a J.J. Blade fan. I've been a fan of J.J. Blade ever since they traded him for A.J. Puck. I liked the deal then. I'm still going to like the deal now. J.J. Blade just told me he's probably going to be back for the Minnesota series. So, yeah, wrote last road trip of the year. He's got talent. I mean, when you watch him play, we saw him take BP in the Padres series. So, before the game, front office came out. He took some live BP. He's taking BP right now as we speak. He just came off the field. I talked to him. J.J. Blade, I mean, you want to talk about how you get back to being competitive like that? All of a sudden, Lawrence Butler, J.J. Blade, Ruiz. We already know Geloff, Diaz. I mean, right now, until somebody shows me they can play at this level, field and hit, Nick Allen's your shortstop. Ryan Oda is your first base. All these guys keep getting better. These guys keep getting better. You got a chance to compete. I'm not. I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'm just saying you got a chance to compete and get out of this garbage of a hundred and something losses. And now all of a sudden, you're a team that gives us a reason to really be fired up to watch. And like you're seeing with the Mariners, like you've seen with a lot of other organizations. Those kind of years lead to the years of really where you want to be is playing in playoffs. But these young kids getting the experience now, well, what we want to see from this year to next, next year is be competitive, to be legitly competitive. And that's where you're going to need Blade, and you're going to need Butler, and you're going to need Ruiz. Maybe it is Denzel Clark. I don't know. Yeah, and the big I mean, the biggest X factor still, I think, and it's weird to say he's an X factor because he was – I think he graduated now finally, but the number one prospect in the system is Tyler Soderstrom. If you could take a step forward with the bat, that's a, that's a huge benefit for the A's, and they'll win way more games next year if he's able to to get the bat going because it's been a slow start for him this year, and he hasn't really played that much in the month of September, but he's playing today in DHing, or he's in the lineup in DHing today. So hopefully he can get, get hot here at the end of the season and carry that into next year along with the guys like Geloff and Butler and Ruiz and the young players we've seen because there are guys in AAA too like Daryl Hernandez who we want to see eventually. You mentioned Denzel Clark. But we don't know about those guys, yeah. right? And that's why I mentioned Allen, because you could say, well, Hernandez can play short. 
Maybe. Yeah, we don't know for sure. We don't know. It's just like, but yeah, but but Hernandez could be if it's not Brett Harris, it could be Hernandez could be the third, third baseman. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is, it's like the guys that we're seeing in this series right now, they've got a chance next year to take that next step, and that next step is being competitive, and hopefully. The guys that we're talking about, and you just mentioned that they come in and they can be a part of it. And then all of a sudden you're now competitive, and that's just how the cycles go, right? You go from you're drowning to being competitive to all of a sudden you start talking about can we be in the playoffs or not. Yeah, and, and hopefully you want to see the starting pitching take a step forward. We loved what we saw from Joe Boyle in his three innings yesterday. Oh, my God. We're going to see Joey Estes on, on Wednesday. That's another big piece going forward. We already know what you get in Blackburn. Mason Miller – I still think long-term we're going to see him more as a reliever. but And then we got J.P. Sears. I think we need to give his flowers, too, because tonight will be his 30th start. Look at this list. And there's two I added. Those two. It's only because I put 100% of their but games are starters. Eh, Ted Lilly. Ted Lilly and John Henry Johnson. you got to get the point of the names, yeah. though. Yeah. The names. Vita Blue. Ken Holtzman. You're talking about World Series champions. How about guys that won three World Series on this list? A guy that's also a World Series champion, our longtime pitching coach, Kurt Young. You think about the gambler, Kenny Rogers, how many years he pitched in the big leagues and had success for a long time, had a great career. Mark Mulder, Barry Zito, Cy Young Award winner. Dallas Braden, our buddy Dallas Braden. Gio Gonzalez, who had some good years for the A's. Scott Casimir, who went from... Hot shot flamethrower for Tampa to basically add a baseball pitching for the Sugarland Skeeters, rebounding in Oakland to be an all star. Yeah. Scott Casimir is like a Disney story, for God's sakes, around here. Uh, Sean Manaya won more games than anybody in the last X amount of what, six years for the A's? I want to say we almost, yeah, it was like, yeah, like the last like six years or something. It might have been the last 10, to be honest. A's cast super friend, Cole Irvin. Oh, and you forgot Mariners great Tommy Malone. This <laughs> list is left-handers in A's history with 30 starts. I had a conversation earlier today because this is something, if you followed this show, us going round and round and round about the analytics crowd, what they talk about and what they value in so many ways to me is they, they they do a very good job of breaking down individual players. And we can get to what Bob Melvin said after yesterday's game where he yeah, roasted. I don't want to get to that yet. No, no, I just want to make sure I have but it. But he roasted in his own way, knowing Bob as we do, roasted the Padres front office yesterday. But we spend so much time breaking down the individual player. And you start thinking about it. This is a team game if you want to win games. It's a team game. Analytics sometimes to me, I would say it's like the Atkins diet. Or it's like the keto plan. To where they're going to tell you everything about this, and it's got to be specific. Like you can't stay on the Atkins diet. Atkins diet. It's just not you're not. I've never or the keto diet. I I barely know anybody who's been able to stay on it full time. And then if you ever stray, like you go on vacation, and all of a sudden you have carbs, boop, it's gone. It's not sustainable. 
that's like when, when I look at Eno Saris's stuff plus, you'll see that list will never be sustainable. There'll always be ups, downs, up, down. It's not sustainable. It's very rare. Analytics, we're so worried about barrel rates and exit velocities. We got cameras. We got all the, you know. XFIP. We worry so much about the individual player. John Carlos Stanton, who finally came out and said, you know what? When I do hit the ball this year, I'm still hitting it really hard, but I'm not productive. I've got to reboot myself. Everything is important, but when you just focus on we're gonna we're gonna focus on this. There's certain because you can't focus on you can't what you can't focus on all analytics. How would you do that as a player? How would you do this as a front office? So we're we're gonna focus on everything. There's certain things that you value and that you're gonna say this is important. And to me, that's like the Atkins diet. You can't stay on that. It's like Aaron Goldsmith just said. Hey, when the Mariners are successful, they're hitting home runs. They walk and hit home runs. Well, you go into the playoffs and you don't hit home runs, how are you going to score and win the playoffs? Yeah, well, we've seen that happen how many times now? That's where Houston's been different than everybody. Houston can win in so many different ways. Look at all the A's teams recently that were good. We hit home runs. Our GM told us, ball goes far, team goes far. Walking home runs. How did that work for us in the postseason? It didn't. Doesn't work for the Yankees either. They're, good. they're, they're Joel the best Sherman, Joel Sherman made a great point today on MLB Now, talking about he goes, I watch all the Yankee games. That I'm at, he's at Yankee games, he hit messy games. He goes, have you ever noticed Yankees never hit a double? Because Freddie Freeman is having a historic season. Hard to believe Freddie Freeman, as great as he is, at best will finish third in the MVP voting. But he's about to have 60 doubles. 60 doubles, you've got to go back to that high-scoring era of the 30s. 1936, to be exact. When, well, no, the whole 30s, oh, yeah. though, is where all the records for most doubles in a season happened in the 30s. These guys are racking up doubles like it was going out of style. That's how good Freddie Freeman's year has been. But he goes, you watch the Yankees, they never hit doubles. And you watch our team. Our team never hits doubles. Like, good teams, good hitters. You look at the good hitters. You look at a lot of Hall of Famers. You can look at home runs. You look what they have. A lot of them have doubles. Good hitters hit line drives, hard line drives, sometimes not even hard line. They're constantly hitting it where there aren't defenders, and they're getting extra base hits. It's not all home. We've gotten so into the home run. Doubles are a big deal. But getting back to, like, focusing on just certain things, to me, it's like stuff plus. Eno will debate me, but Eno's basically going to tell me it's strikeouts are the only thing that matters in the end. Strikeouts. And I go, no, I disagree. Because on this list, what's important is these guys gave you 30-plus starts, gave you a ton of innings, and now we know before this show started, I was with uh, Dallas Braden. I said, Dallas, you look at Kurt Young back in the day. At the age of 27, our old pitching coach, Kurt Young, went 13-7. and Ah, You said wins don't matter. 31 starts, 200 innings. You don't think this team would kill right now for 31 starts and 200 innings? He'd be our best player. He'd be the best player on a lot of teams because stuff plus, your stuff plus is good for maybe five innings, and it's not sustainable for a career. Tell me, Kurt Young right now in baseball, where would he rank on a lot of people's pitching staffs? And (laughs) and that's a year that you would have said was not a big deal. Well, I, I, I mentioned to, to you earlier, I think when I last looked or I heard, 
Only one guy at 200 innings so far this year. So he'd already be in the top top five in the leaderboard he'd innings. He'd be your top guy in baseball right now, a four ERA with 203 innings. I want to look and see what who how many what the innings leaders guys are right now. You want to give me stuff plus. Oh, and the pitching ninjas showing me all this craziness. Kurt Young would be. One guy so far. We got one guy. Kurt Young, our old Kurt Young at 27 years old, would be so valuable in today's baseball as a left-hander, 31 starts, 200 innings. His value would be immense, but just two years ago, you would have looked at that and went, oh, not that big of a deal. Yeah, the one guy's Logan Webb. Am I wrong on that? What, I I think he'd be very valuable today. because No, I, but two years ago, you would have been. Well, yeah, but now that we've seen. What's the strikeouts? Uh, well, I think I think if I if the research is correct in the history of the Ace franchise, there's only been like five guys that have 200 more strikeouts in a year. So strikeouts are their strikeout pitches weren't aren't really a big thing in the A's organ Oakland A's organization. I mean, Vida had how many? 301 the year that he won the uh, MVP in the in, in the Cy Young, and he had 301 strikeouts. He'd even lead the league. Well, so I, I, and, and and I'm I'm having to adjust to say that 200 innings. And, and really what, what J.P. Sears and Ethan Lucas is joining us here on the program, I'm saying what J.P. Sears is joining this club today. I just had to get angry for a minute. you got to get angry for a minute. But J.P. Sears, it's a big deal. And Ethan, we'll ask you as a pitcher. Yeah. J.P. Sears is getting start number 30 today. Wow. Yeah. Kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. That's a full season right there. You think about your young career, and I know everybody strives as starters as you want to be valuable to your team. I don't know how much of you guys – did you guys know that uh, J.P. Sears is going to be hitting that today? I did not. I uh, yeah, haven't been able to keep track of everybody's stats, but it's kind of been a whirlwind since I got here. So, uh, yeah, just trying to perform well. So how's it been like coming to the A's and getting this opportunity? Uh, it's been amazing. I mean, uh, yeah, with the Orioles, uh, it was awesome there, but it was definitely, you know, they're making a playoff run, kind of hard to make it up to the big leagues. They've got their guys they are using that are doing well, and so getting the opportunity to come over here and have a good shot to make it to the big leagues this year was awesome. I always talk about Oakland is the land of opportunity. What was it like? Shintaro Fujinami gets traded. Fuji, our guy Fuji, we love Fuji. <laughs> But what was it like for you knowing you were coming to Oakland and knowing you really were going to get a shot at, at, at a chance to live out your dream, which is to play in Major League Baseball? Yeah, it was uh, it was amazing. It was, I mean, a dream come true. Uh, grew up on the West Coast, so being able to come back out here for the first time since college uh, was awesome. And then, yeah, just knowing they traded me for Fujinami, and he's an amazing pitcher. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, just knowing that it's going to be a real opportunity is something I uh, couldn't have dreamed of a couple years ago. Yeah, you grew up in Simi Valley, right? Yeah, Simi Valley. And down for, in for everybody California. that's Ventura County, which is north of Los Angeles, <laughs> yep. uh, the the Reagan Presidential Libraries there is the big yeah. deal. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. and then you're at Pepperdine Waves, right? Pepperdine Waves. Yep. It was uh, Malibu. It was amazing. I mean. Yeah, it doesn't suck, by the cool way. Cool area, yeah. <laughs> you see the ocean from their baseball field. I played at San Jose yeah. State. We played oh, yeah. that. Oh, you're like, oh, my God, Pepperdine. So yeah. you always stayed in the area, which is nice. Yeah. It's got to be nice to be back on the West Coast. Yeah, it's been awesome. My, uh, my family lived up in Idaho now. They moved up there in 2018. So they actually got to come down and see me uh, debut and stuff. Uh, 
and then yeah. You recently had a whole row. Yeah, that was because uh, I looked down and they all them. had they all had your name on the back. They all had the shirts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah my dad does some uh, heat pressing, so he can just yeah. print out some shirts, and yeah, they all were ready to go. What was that like when you look up and you see everybody in the stands? <laughs> it was amazing. I mean, yeah, just having the support and seeing them there was really cool. Now everybody has that moment, and it's whether you're driving up into the stadium, it's coming in the clubhouse. It's your first game, or maybe somebody you face, yeah. where you go. I can't. What was when you? What was the one moment you look back on and you went, "Wow, I'm in the big leagues." What was that moment? <laughs> it well, so it was actually in uh, Texas when we went over to the Rangers right after because the game I got called up, I got uh, told the night before at like 10:30 after a game in Las Vegas, and then early morning flight up here for a day game. Um, and I was still just kind of like, you know, in space. I didn't know what was going on until we got on a flight over to Texas after the game ended. And then in Texas, I was sitting there and, you know, I'd see Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, all yeah. these guys. And I was like, oh, my goodness, here I am. Um, yeah, that, that was kind of the moment it hit me. While I was here, it was awesome. But I think it was still I wasn't quite fully processed. And I kind of just sat in the bullpen and was like, okay. And, uh yeah, it, it really hit me that next game. What do you think is best for you long-term as a pitcher? What, where do you see what's best? Or ideally, what, what would you like to do? Because you come up and you just want to yeah. pitch, yeah. but you know in your mind, do I want to start? Do I want to relate? Like, what do you think is best for you long-term? That, I mean, I'm obviously I'm happy to do whatever I need to. Um, I think kind of with the pitches I have right now, I'm best as more of a – relief slash longer relief type of guy um i don't think i throw quite hard enough to be a you know lights out closer maybe next year i'm gonna work on that but uh and then i don't think i have the stuff versus righties that i'd need to get them out consistently sort of that change up or two seam something that goes the other way so right now i think i slot in as a good like lefty matchup uh i can get guys out both sides but i'm best versus lefties so that's kind of my uh, my pigeonhole right now. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it, it's such an interesting role now. Now that we know, and it's unfortunate, we talk about all the time, that starters don't go deep. Yeah. Well, someone's got to get to the back of the bullpen, and that guy in the middle that can be have the type of arm you have where you can go X amount of days, X amount of innings, Yeah. that has become more valuable than ever before. That guy used to not really exist. He was yeah. a mop-up guy. <laughs> now that, that this role you're talking about yeah. is essential for teams. Yeah. No, yeah, with the sign, or bleh, kind of keeping pitchers uh, healthy throughout the season. They've, you know, guys are throwing harder and just knowing the optimal – pitches in a game that they will have in order to be able to come back five days later and knowing that's around 90 to 100 and yeah if if a guy has a rough rough time just can't quite get guys out quick then you need those four to five innings at the end of the game to be picked up by somebody and yeah that's uh kind of where I come in take us through coming into the A's clubhouse right now from a standpoint of there's a lot of changes there's been a lot of changes a tremendous amount of different players. Yeah. You've got young players coming in establishing themselves. 
You're coming as a as a young player. Yeah. Just what has it been like? How they welcomed you in? What is it like? Is it chaotic? Is it not? Just give us your point of view of what that clubhouse is like right now for a young player. Yeah, honestly, it was amazing. Like all the guys are super cool. Um, Tony Kent and those guys, I kind of those were the first people I met, and they were super welcoming and just awesome guys. And I was, you know, I kind of new to the organization. Been here for two months, so didn't know too many guys at this level and just having those guys welcome me was awesome and then yeah we kind of just uh go to work every day and you know the, occasionally somebody gets flipped out but everybody's uh super friendly so it's been awesome. out of pepperdine you weren't drafted by baltimore because yeah. you you were you were in the jonathan vr trade right i was who yeah. were you drafted by i was drafted by the marlins okay uh, so in 2019 Talk us through you. So you got to see the building process inside the Orioles. Yeah, yeah. Just talk about how, where, when you got there and what, where they are now, where probably you played with some of these guys yeah. to where they're a team to be reckoned with in the playoffs. Yeah, I think uh, they had a very distinct strategy where they were, you know, waiting for this year kind of to really make a push. And they were kind of making sure all the guys that were in the minors were – good and ready to go and they almost like held them in AAA and stacked up a you know batch of guys and then last year when Adley got called up it kind of opened the floodgates and they've had those guys Westberg and Ortiz and Gunnar Henderson and all those guys are uh, just amazing players that you know they did a really good job of drafting and they did a good job of letting them flourish in their system. Um, and then as pitchers, they kind of have a philosophy that they would like you to fit into, but they don't really force you to do it. And if uh, you choose to kind of use what they give you, you can really do a lot for yourself. So, Well, I'll tell you what, I'm impressed with the fact that you can self-evaluate and you can come in your first interview here on A's Cast because this is where all the players come for the first time. Yeah. You understand strengths and weaknesses. You already understand what before you even have an exit meeting, you already know what you need to work on yeah. going into next offseason. That is a bit that is a skill. Because not everybody wants to some people don't want to know and they don't like to be told. I mean, you truly hey, this is what I'm good at. This is what I need to work on. I'm impressed by that. That is a definite skill for a young player. Thank you. Yeah. I mean I yeah, I got to know what I'm bad at so that I can work on it and fix it and then know what I'm good at so I can keep strengthening it and getting better. It's like my golf game. Now, there's certain <laughs> things where I'm like, I know, I just uh, I need to get better at that. But, hey, thank yeah. you very much for coming on the program. Look forward to having you on a lot, and especially seeing you in uh, Arizona for spring training. Yeah, thank you very much. It's glad to be here. We will get back to J.P. Sears getting 30 starts. It's, it's kind of historic in A's history next right here on A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. The new summer colors and prints are in stock. The new polos, lightweight, all the colors you want. 
fabulous. We got our new order. My wife is so happy that I'm dressing so much better. All thanks to Link Soul. You name it, whether it's polos, whether it's shorts, anything for your summer needs, you need to revamp your wardrobe. You go to linksoul.com and they got great summer deals. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. This is a great time to bring on Dallas Braden. We know A's legend, what he did in his career, what he's doing now uh, with the Oakland Athletics on NBC Sports California. But I want to take him back, and I think why it's so important to have you on today is because you remember what it was like what these guys are going through. You even mentioned it the other day about we all remember that horrific end of the Bob Guerin era in Baltimore. Bob Melvin shows up in Chicago. He did, He's like looking at the back of guys' jerseys on the flight home. He's told the story. He was looking at the media guide to figure out. You remember what it was like, what these guys are going through, but this is the process, and I keep talking about how these series like we're having now are great for the young players to learn. And there's no better way to learn if you're a young player and you have the opportunity than trial by fire because you know you're going to get an opportunity tomorrow, or at least you'd like to think so, right? And if you're in that mix, what you do is you use those teams across the diamond as the measuring stick, a barometer of sorts of where you're at, you know, individually, and you might go across the diamond. If I'm a second baseman, what does the guy at second base look like? What does his game look like? How do I match up against that? Where does he match up in the pantheon of second baseman in baseball? And how do I stack up? What do his at-bats look like? Where is he at defensively? Is he a guy that's got a high baseball IQ? And you start to take stock of where your game is at, where you'd like it to be, again, by taking a look across the other diamond. But now you're learning how to compete against guys that are doing it at the highest level. How do you win those matchups? You know, I was just talking to to Rick Riz's uh, great radio guy for the Seattle Mariners, and we were talking about guys getting comfortable and what that looks like. And there's there's a lot of failure that has to occur, I think, whether it's internally or outwardly. You see it with numbers where guys start to realize they're going to have to make those adjustments. You're going to have to you're going to have to play the game a little differently and having these competitive series to compete in are a great way to identify what it is you think you're doing well that you might not actually be doing well and maybe some things that you are doing well. But when you're playing elite competition and you're playing against a team like the Seattle Mariners who are where they're at right now in their season and hopefully October bound they're playing each and every game and they're taking each and every pitch and each and every at bat like it's game seven implications and I think it should be that way because of what they want to achieve but no better environment to learn in for a young player than that right there you know a story that I bring up all the time is back when I was covering the Warriors it was at the end of Kobe Bryant's career and when he came out to shoot before the game it was like 40 minutes 
And he worked. I mean, he had the lather going. He took every possible shot he possibly could take, knowing that also he probably lifted at 5 a.m. in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking for, like, Warrior players to look at that as an all-time great going. He's at the end of the career. He could go out there, shoot it. He worked and worked and worked. So talk also about what you did. It just wasn't watching guys during the game, right? It was watching BP. It was watching, like, all these different things. Well, I just – you know, it's – wow, Tony, that's incredible that you that you ask that because I just had a great conversation with Perry Hill, defensive wizard, infield guru, coach for the Seattle Mariners. And he came up to me and said, hey, Mr. Braden, I just wanted to take the time to officially introduce myself. We've squared up against each other across the diamond for many years. He said, I love everything about you. I love the game when you were on the mound. You know, that, that mentality. He said, I love what you got going in the broadcast booth now. You know, just it's, it's great to meet you. And I'm thinking to myself, like, man, this is a – I know who Barry Hill is. I don't know if you do. <laughs> like, I, I know who Barry – if you don't know who Barry – you need to look it up. Check out you. You need to look it up because the dude is an absolute gem. So when when those conversations are had with individuals like that, that's that's where you're kind of reminded of of where you've come from, what you've what you've done. And for him to for him to say that it kind of it just it warmed my heart because I was the guy who, yeah, on the last day of the season, you're still getting the lift in on the last day of the season. You're still playing catch. Why? Because I'm here at the ballpark. This is what I'm supposed to do. And when you watch, look, I mean, I'll I'll go no further than Stephen Vogt. I took a video of Stephen Vogt last year. Yeah. The last day of the season. Career over. The last day of the season. He's retiring. He knows he's retiring. You and I knew he was retiring. Yeah. Everybody knew that Stephen Vogt was never going to play another game of competitive baseball in his life. And what was Stephen Vogt doing before the game on the last day he would ever put a pair of baseball spikes on? Blocking baseballs. He's not going in the game, Townie. <laughs> Voter, you're not going to grab a uh, bat, uh. bud. What are you doing? Tuck it in. It's been a good run. Y'all tuck it in right after I wear 100 baseballs off my chest on the last day I'll ever step foot on the field as a competitor. Can't Enough teach said. it. No. And that's why I always marvel and I always – I'm like, as they talked about in this big article in the San, U San Diego Union Tribune about the Padres, Kevin Acey wrote it, and about the Padres and Manny Machado, and they talked about at, at Dodger Stadium where it was an optional thing. None of the starters were out there. Padres' time was up, and then the Dodgers came out, and all the Dodgers were players were out there for an optional. Makes, makes me think of something that's not optional, and that's being a Tampa Bay Ray. We only get to see him once a year, but every single time, every single day, doesn't matter, night game, day game, they take infield. Mm -hmm. They work on their fundamentals every single game, 162 games. It doesn't matter how late it was the night before. They do it. I've asked. They do it every single game. It's who they are. And it's like that's why I think about young players watching this like Jordan Diaz. We talked to Eric Martins. I want to see you down here every single day. Every I want day. to see the young guys down here working hard. And then watch what everybody else is doing. Watch mm -hmm. how the best players conduct their business. How do you not? And that was always something that I wanted to do. You know, I, I'm not saying that I was watching other guys throw bullpens before it was cool, but that's just something that you did. You just watched somebody work because where else are you going to pick up this kind of education? 
where else are you going to watch somebody throw a major league bullpen? You're not going to go home and watch that. You're in the big leagues. Take your ass down there and watch a big league bullpen. It's that simple. Watch a round of BP in the cage of a guy who has a feel for what he's doing, a guy that you like his approach. These are all things that are street legal, highly, highly encouraged. So, you know, back to your, again to your point about what do you do on the last day? What do you do when the season's winding down? How do you handle it? You, you set yourself up and you put yourself on a trajectory to go into the offseason to continue to be able to put the work in that you've put in all season long. You have to continue to raise your baseline, right? Talking about the Mamba, continue to raise the baseline. If it's 10 gassers at the very end of his workouts, well, tomorrow it's going to be 12. Why? Because that's two more than 10. Do the math. I'm just going to do more. I'm just going to get better. That has to be the mentality. I have a list in my hand, and it's a list you're on. Uh-oh. It is left-handers to get a, 30 starts in a season. It's not a felonious. <laughs> <All right. laughs> no, it doesn't have everything from Stockton <laughs> that you did. That list Good. is – we've kind of covered that <laughs> list up, by the way, here on Ace Cast. Uh, means something, man. That means something, and, and, and you know what? If you want to call me Old Man River, I'll stay on that river and fly fish all day because I keep talking about 4,374 outs. That's how many outs you got to get, not counting extra innings. That's how many you got to get in a season. And, you know, we don't have enough guys to throw innings and get enough outs. I'm so happy for J.P. Sears. It's a list that's got you, Vita Blue, Ken Holtzman, Mark Mulder, Kenny Rogers, Barry Zito, on and on. Your guy, Gio Gonzalez. It means something. 30 starts. And hopefully someday he's 30 starts, 200 innings. Just talk about how proud you are of him. Because in August, I had a bunch of people like my partner here, oh, shut it down, he's struggling. I'm like, no, you've got to battle through this. And he battled through August. He's been great in September. How proud are you of J.P. Sears? Extremely proud. Listen up, Commander. Put the cans on. That right there is a wonderful look into a guy taking advantage of the opportunity set in front of him and then earning the opportunity each and every time he took the baseball, just getting 1% better each and every day. He identified some of the shortcomings, right? we got to figure out how to get the changeup in the mix just a little more. I, I can have success with it. How do we do that? Well, he wasn't afraid to challenge himself. And, again, learning at the big league level, not easy to do, not at all. And a lot of times for position players, we talk about the best availability or the best ability is availability. Can you be depended on? Can the skipper pencil you in every day? That goes a long way. It goes a long way on the mound as well, whether you're coming out of the bullpen or starter in the rotation every fifth day. Can the team count on you to get a body of work that is dependable every time you take the mound? And I don't think without a doubt there were questions about that in spots one through five at the beginning of the season. And J.P. Sears was a part of that. But he continued to grow and he continued to battle and he continued to go back to the drawing board and get better each and every outing. And because he's been able to stay healthy and he's been able to stay competitive, he now finds himself at the end of his season ready to post up 
30-plus times, which is an achievement all its own, especially in a day and age where you said something, Townie, 30-plus starts, 200 innings. And 200 innings is attainable still. It's not the unicorn that I think at times we make it out to be. But there is a certain level of efficiency that the game has told you you are now going to have to execute if you're going to be a 200-inning guy. And so it's not just going out there and being a horse and taking your lumps through seven or eight innings where you've given up six or seven runs, but you can just take that one on the chin for the club. You now have to be able to put together six, seven, or eight sparkling innings consistently to get that deep into these outings. And I think J.P. Sears has started to reveal himself as somebody who, if he can continue to make those adjustments and continue to take the ball consistently the way he has, there's no reason that the growth he's shown now isn't something that you can't continue to depend on. How important was it for you to prepare mentally before a season for you to finally be able to get to 30 starts? I understand the physical part, but I think there's got to be a huge mental component for you to strive for it, believe that you can actually attain that. Well, I went from my first year in pro ball to just thinking about the things that I wanted to achieve to then understanding the power of manifestation, the understanding of putting my desires into the universe tangibly, writing these things down. So holding myself accountable and, again, taking a piece out of the Mamba playbook, signing that contract with yourself that you cannot deter from. You cannot afford to not show up today because that contract will now be null and void. So you have to show up each and every day. And when that happens mentally, the physical preparation is almost an involuntary contraction. You know you have to do that, right? You're going to wake up, you're going to breathe, you're going to blink, whether you like it or not, those are things that are going to happen. So to a, a mental preparation standpoint, if you are prepared mentally to handle that, everything else that comes along with physically preparing for the road is going to take care of itself. David Force comes to you and says, Dallas Braden, I need help. What should our game plan be for Mason Miller? Is it starter? Can't keep him healthy, scared with that? reliever how would you do it well i think what mason miller ultimately projects as is a frontline starter i don't think there's any question when you think about his stuff and what we've seen here in the starting capacity and what we've seen in short bursts that could i think you know replicate or emulate what a relieving role could potentially look like and i think early you always want to give a guy an opportunity to be able to show that he can provide bulk for you because Physically looking at Mason Miller, he's an individual, when you put him through the eyeball test, tells you he can handle the workload. And the idea of only being able to add on to that, I think, gets you excited. Well, now you obviously you have the blemish, the injury, and that's something that's going to have to be paid attention to, something that's going to have to absolutely be game planned for and around at times. But I think early you have to give him the opportunity to show that he either can figure out how to build on this foundation and turn himself into that frontline starter that he projects as, or you give him and his body the opportunity to tell you that they can't and that we're going to have to figure out a different way to keep him healthy and keep him active. And maybe that is in shorter bursts. But I, I think there's still an opportunity for him to show you that he can be depended on every five days. First impressions are huge. Joe Boyle. Joe Boyle rules. Uh, I like the idea that Joe Boyle has a big fastball that it didn't appear that he was afraid to challenge guys with. 
And there were some misses that were very non-competitive at times. But I think that has a lot to do with it being your big league debut. Oh, my God. Your heart's got to be going like. I mean, goodness, <laughs> right? So I, I can cut the guy some slack <laughs> yeah. when you're saying, well, Dallas. Curveball in the dirt. Come right. on, well, Yeah, you know what? I don't think I threw a ball anywhere near home plate the first four <laughs> pitches I threw in my big league debut. So I get it. I know what the guy's going yeah. through. So that, that's why I say initial impression is you love the fact that he's got the big-time fastball, the 96, 98, 99. We saw 100 miles an hour tickled. So – uh, his willingness to challenge guys because one thing that we all hear and we know at the minor league level is, look, they'll time a bullet up there at the big leagues. So you better put it where you want. You know, right down Main Street, n- not a not a good place to be. They'll ride you right out of the yard. So, again, just the, the, the willingness to say, here it is. I don't care if it's the big leagues. I don't care what the name on the back of your jersey says. Let me tell you about the name on the back of mine. I always like to say this. If you're playing the Masters for the first time and you're teeing up on one and you don't hit it in the fairway, I understand. I get it. (laughs) I I understand. (laughs) I'm playing at the Masters. Uh, Let's end on this. You went to a technical university in Texas. The Texas Tech University. And you you got your guns going. Bang, 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 bang. Um, You did hit there. I did. I raked. So when I think about you as an analyst, everybody thinks about pitching. I know you hit and you hit in college. But what is that like for you? It's easy for you to talk pitching. Mm-hmm. But now, as an analyst, you got to do the entire game. you got to think as the manager, the pitching coach, the hitting coach. you got to at times think about the front office. What is that like for you as an analyst when you really need to think like a hitter? It's a ton of fun because that's the game in all its glory. Every aspect of it that you just outlined is what makes this game so beautiful, right? From the front office making decisions to put the guys in position that they're in to play the game that I'm analyzing and then watching the players physically move about, putting themselves in position, sometimes compromising, sometimes completely illogical. I don't know how they're physically doing what they're doing out there. We've got some of the greatest athletes on the planet playing the game of baseball right now. So having the experience of having stepped in the box at the highest level until you get to the professional ranks. I know what that's like. I've stared down 99. I, 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 I know what that feels like. Um, so th- that's something that I'm able to kind of, I don't want to say lean on, but I can tap into where some other guys, you know, maybe they were done hitting in high school. They didn't have that. And, and something else I did, Townie, to your, to your point about preparation, was I sat in a couple hitters meetings, right? Take the opportunity to talk to these guys during BP. I was out watching batting practice. So having conversations with the bench coach as a player and having conversations with the manager as a, as a player, that was able to open my eyes to the nuance of the game at the big league level that has, again, afforded me the opportunity, I think, to speak intelligently and analyze intelligently the game that we're seeing. The trick to what's happening at the dish these days for hitters is the new approach to the art of hitting that we're seeing the idea of lifting the baseball and like it, you know intentionally trying to lift the baseball in ways that was never even really thought of or I, I think people didn't entertain the idea that they were approaching the baseball that way that's a whole new wave of hitting that has to be acknowledged whether you like it or not it's something that guys at the big league level are applying there's a guy named Aaron Judge who's had a ton of his success. He's all right. Based on how a guru has showed him how to go about it. So to, to give you the long-winded answer, it's been a ton of fun because it's a great opportunity to talk about the game from every aspect. All right, a lot of people are not going to talk about this. I just want to address this because it's probably the last time we're going to have you. 
during the season. Being a street smart kid like yourself, you, you in your life have always been able to overcome the obstacles. And what a lot of people don't know, you've been put in a very tough situation this year broadcasting. It's not like you've been doing this for 30 years. This has not been an easy year. We've thrown a lot at you and a lot of different things, and you have risen above the issues and the obstacles. I just want to tell you, I have noticed as someone that's watching every day and a part of this every day, you need to be commended. A lot of people aren't going to talk about this, but you need to be commended from a broadcasting standpoint what you've done this year because it's been very impressive. You, you, you have matured as a broadcaster this year despite all the chaos that was around you. Tony, I appreciate that a lot. You know, I, I think uh, it, it probably hasn't been the easiest for a lot of us here, understandably so. And I think everybody involved just showing up and, and being the professionals that they've been, I think have made it as easy as it can be for all of us, you included, the commander included. Uh, you're right, it hasn't been easy, but I think because we love the game of baseball and we're able to find solace here at the ballpark and kind of let everything else just drip away and we can enjoy the game for what it is, uh, we're fortunate for that. So I appreciate that acknowledgement, but it's not without a lot of hard work that's done behind the scenes, again, to put us in positions to just kind of fade away and let the game kind of take us away for three hours. So I appreciate that, my friend. Great stuff. Have a good call. Thank you. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Townsend and Commander Cody for Link Soul. You need to redo your wardrobe, especially for summer. They got new colors, new styles. Summer is here. The polos, unbelievable. The shorts, you name it, we got our new order. My wife is the happiest one out of all of us because I look better, thanks to Link Soul. And they've got unbelievable deals right now for the summer. So what are you waiting for? Shirts, polos, shorts, you name it. You go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. It is so interesting how the seasons change here at the Coliseum where sun's going down earlier, Cody. I was going to say it, it was. And it gets chilly fast. It was nice up before. Uh, oh, it was beautiful. Sun's out. It's like that end of summer. Getting into fall, it's got me thinking. I gotta get my Halloween ready. Maybe this year on A's Cast Live, we'll have to show my Halloween a little bit more. Uh, I go big for Halloween. By the way, you that's were, my holiday. Uh, you were asking. Uh, don't you, ta- don't. It was a pick interception. Yeah. <laughs> don't go there. Don't go there. Saints lead six three. Yeah, you're not supposed to go there. I'm just telling you the score. Our fan, our fans may want to go. Are you? Are you? Are 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 are? You know, you said, and I think it's a fireable offense to say that's a get-right series for the Mariners. Uh, to <laughs> me, this is a total uh, take it to the Mariners in the in their season. Are you, as a representative of Seattle and the Mariner Moose, <laughs> are you officially worried? You lose tonight. Yeah, I mean, you're running out of games to make the postseason as a as a as a voice of the Mariners. Uh, well, as my uh, as my broadcast colleague Aaron Goldsmith was talking about <laughs> Your earlier, partner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they got what seven left against the Rangers, and there's three against the Astros. There's still some time. I mean, those teams are good though. The Rangers are scuffling. It's got swept in Cleveland. Uh, Toronto wasn't playing well. Now Toronto's playing well. They swept uh, your beloved Red Sox. 
Yeah. Uh, so that that's how that went. Okay, like, are you ready for this? So Mariners, Mariners were twenty-one six and twenty-one and six in August. They're now five and eleven September. Actually, my Cubs, uh-huh. eighteen and nine in August. They're now seven and ten in September. Astros seven and eleven in August, still really good. Seven and eight in September, not so bad. And then you got the teams who flipped it the other way around, who weren't so great in August. Blue Jays were fourteen and thirteen in August. They're now ten and six in September. D backs, ah, you know I've been a D back honk. Me, me, I've been a snake honk. My guy Tori Lavello, uh, snakes twelve and fifteen in August. Ugh. 10 and 7 in September. Marlins, they're turning it around. Marlins, what are they? they were 10 and 17 in August. You're thinking, that cute little run's over. Whoa, not so fast for the fish. Thank you, Lee Corso. They're 11 and 5 in September. So, mentioning the, the Marlins, I looked it up because they're, they're in the last wild card spot with the Cubs, but they own the tiebreaker because they own the head to head. So, I looked at the, how it works. If they say they tied in the head to head, it goes interdivision. They had the same record in their division. It goes intra-division. So whatever their record is against the other teams in the National League. That's how they would figure out the tiebreakers. You keep going down. But they own it. So right now, if the season ended today, playoffs start tomorrow, Marlins are. Cubs are not. And Mariners are not in. Uh, correct. That is correct. I got our crack staff because I saw an interesting question on Twitter about who's got the best rotation going into the postseason, which – I, I, I want to get into that more once we really know who's in, because right now we only have four teams that are in. Yesterday, Rays and Orioles clinching, Braves, Dodgers clinching division. So we only have four teams that we know right now that are in. So I want to get into it. And then I always wonder, okay, how much is that rotation going to give me once we get into the postseason? But I want to see how it translates – starters, ERAs, and teams that go deep into the postseason. Is there – does it translate? we got our crack staff working on that. We'll get into that. One question I had for you, how much time do we have? Uh, about five minutes. We wake up today. It's over the weekend. We haven't didn't have the show. You wake up today and you think about Shohei Otani and his future – you look at just what's really going on. We don't really know what's going on down in Anaheim. Just whenever a player, though, cleans out his locker, gets out and bolts, it's not a great look. We just don't know the severity of the elbow. We do think he'll have, he's going to have to have some type of procedure. He He's on the door doorstep of 30. The way we were viewing Shohei Otani just a few months ago and the way we view him now, has it changed? I think yes, but if it's from the standpoint of we don't know if he's ever going to be the same pitcher again because of what's going on. So would you be thinking here, uh, uh, if I were Cody Elias and I was the GM of a team, well, I'm already a Mariners guy, so yeah, I'm the Mariners. Yeah, you're GM. Jerry Depoto's right hand man. Oh, he's here somewhere. I saw him. Are you signing him as a hitter? And maybe you have some things in the con. Well, we can get into that later. But I want to know how do you feel? Because obviously, we know Japanese players are great clubhouse guys. And we've heard nothing but unbelievable things about Shohei Otani as a teammate 
It's just there's a lot around him. Kind of a load. He's got his own people. He's got his own thing. Every day you got to find out how's he feeling, how are you as a pitcher, how are you as a hitter. We start to see the body kind of, they pushed him to the limit, and the limit was all of a sudden there's fatigue in his legs, there's fatigues in his hands. Next thing you know, the elbow gives. Now it's the oblique. He's cleaning out his locker. We don't know. He doesn't talk to it, you know. Are they covering up anything because they still want to sign him? He hasn't talked to anybody. Is he going to come back and talk? What? We know he doesn't talk to the media, so why would you expect him to talk to the media to give any reasons? Uh, they've hid him from the media for so long. There's a lot there that we don't all know about. Joe Madden's talked about it. Joe Madden loves him. But, yes, there is a lot where he said every day you have to, like, how you doing? How you feeling? There's a lot that goes with Shohei Otani. So with all that said, and it's a kind of a wide open question, just how do you feel about him now, right now? I still think him as the hitter, you want him for that. The pitching, that's going to change, but I, I feel like people are maybe – no one's ever going to wave and on him. remember, when you're saying a hitter, you're taking on a DH role. Yeah. And, and a lot of people now like to have a – not a certain ADH. You like to have the DH position as days off for certain guys. You like to be fluid with your DH versus saying, I got one guy and he DHs every day. I, I think going forward long term, we're seeing that, you know, we've talked about this for years now about him being a reliever probably going forward because of the ability for him not to stay healthy. Now it's his second elbow injury. Going forward, I think a closer for him, that might actually keep him healthy as a hitter. He has the oblique injury, but, you know, he hasn't pitched since August. Maybe him not having the workload of pitching and hitting every day or hitting every day and pitching every five days or he's just coming in and throwing out of the bullpen maybe a couple times a week as a closer, that probably keeps him healthy as a hitter long term. But I think a lot of people might wave on him. You know, he's the $600 million, I think, is out the uh, out the door. Six? 600 uh, People are saying five to $600 million. I think those are both gone. Okay, who said five to six hundred million? Uh, Buster only exploded that number a few 600 times. Six hundred million? Yeah. Shut. All right. During the after the show, you got to show me. I seen five hundred million. I, I, if it wasn't Buster, million? I've seen someone mention six hundred million. Six hundred? No way. He's damaged goods going into his thirties, and you just wonder as much as you know the Angels are going to take five. Did the Angels get the very best of what you'll see with Shohei Otani? Well, we saw yesterday, um, <clears throat> unfortunately, um, if my wife is listening, I hope so, because this is towards you. Your Angels stink. They've not a lot, have finished under 500 eight years in a row. Shohei Tani's never seen a winning team since he's been in, the major, in Major League Baseball. But did the Angels get the very best out of this player? If you're talking from And we will never see this again with him. I think you, as a hitter and a starting pitcher, I think so. Now, a hitter, I think we could still see him put up the numbers he's putting up. As a starting pitcher, I think those days are probably gone by the wayside. It is amazing how we sit here and we talk about these guys, and now that we we believe we're out of the uh, PED realm, it's it, it's amazing how fast guys' careers start to change at 32, 33. It's amazing. You know, it's like, and you want to ink these guys up. I mean, just look at the Padres that were just here. Xander Bogarts. Has 10 years left after this year. Xander Bogarts has 10 years. Manny Machado has 10 years left. Think about in 10 years. 
I'll be I'll be in my sixties, and Xander Bogarts is going to be a Padre. I'll be forty. How do you think that? Who ages better, me or Xander Bogarts? He has more money, so it might keep him looking better. But I don't know he's playing. Okay, big, he's playing. Xander, I'm not saying <laughs> Xander Bogarts' career versus me aging. You aging probably. I I bet on me. Did Heim get that one right then? Are you are you, are we going to give Heim credit for that one for not resigning him to a long term uh, deal? Heim's out. Yeah, well, yeah, for now. I just but I mean, you may look back and there's going to be somebody who offers a super long deal to Otani, and I have to think for the next three four years will be a monster offensively, but at some point, how long before he breaks down? I mean, he's breaking down now. Well, as, as and he's going to want to pitch again, and you're going to have to deal with that. When can he pitch? How does he pitch? Is he a reliever? It's like it's like, eh, how you feel? That's why I asked the question today. I got mixed answers from everybody. Just like, how you feeling today? Because a couple months ago, this guy's going to sign the biggest contract. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. And now it's kind of like, well, how how do you deal with him? Well, uh, since we're going to be we're signing off here in a few moments, I'll go confer with my my uh, broadcast colleagues with the Mariners, and we'll see how we feel about maybe bringing Otani next year to be uh, to Seattle and play at uh, T-Mobile Stadium, T-Mobile, T-Mobile But Park. that's where we're going to have to get into Bob Melvin's statements. Bob Melvin basically after the game, and we'll we'll do this more tomorrow. Basically talked about playing the series here, about utilizing the entire roster. And the utilizing, that's how he's always wanted to play, and they haven't played like that. Meaning, front office didn't want to play like that. Stars, stars, stars. Bob wants to play that, because as Bob said, and you'll hear it tomorrow, when you play everybody, get everybody involved, it's good for the clubhouse, which that was the big article out of San Diego, the clubhouse is a train wreck, right? So it's like, yeah, you know what? You can bring Otani to San Francisco. You can bring him at... Does it make the team better? Statistically, and the guy, but people want to just think about numbers. It's your 26 man roster that wins day in, day out. All these games, 162 individual games. And, you know, if you can put that much of your resources into a guy who now is just a DH. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that mo- that transition is Now, I would take him because I'm a business guy, and I know I'm going to make yeah. millions off him, and a return on investment's huge. I'm signing him. I don't care if he's bad for my clubhouse, good for my clubhouse. I'm signing him because I'm going to milk every dime out of him. <laughs> but that's me, and then I don't run a baseball team. Well, I don't either. But like I said, if you need me to, I can check with my, my colleagues and see what they think. Are you saying it's done and yeah. I need to thank – Aaron Goldsmith, come on. Aaron, Aaron, when's he going now? When's he just going to be national? He does do a lot of national Fox games. I know. That's why he's got the great Eric Carroll stories. Yeah, yeah true. He does have good hair for TV, too. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's still young, young-ish. When I say young, he's like, he's like maybe late 30s, early 40s. Easton Lucas, left-handers, stopped by from the athletics. The great Dallas Braden. Who are we playing in uh, A's Total Access? Uh, Dallas. Uh, tomorrow we're going to have uh, – we're tentatively supposed to have Shea Langoliers. Uh, we're going to have Eno Saris. Langoliers. And uh, we're supposed to have the great – he's over there right now talking to fans, the great Stephen Vogt as well. Because I remember last time we were supposed to have him, it rained here. We had to do a phone call. We were in the, we were in the press box. Who? Uh, you, you know him as Voter. Stephen Vogt? Or uh, Mariners coach. 
Steamboat played for the A's at one point, right? Yeah, uh, a couple times. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm going to have to go to baseball reference and uh, figure out who he is again before we do that interview. Yeah, he, you might, he may or may not have had an emotional game last year to end his career. I don't know. Do, do we call him? Are you going to call him Mariner Hack now? <laughs> That Mariner hack, Steve Vogt. I always remember him as a as a Milwaukee Brewer. Uh, he'll be a he'll be he'll be a Ray to me. He wasn't a Devil Ray. Hey, he was a, a Ray. Won a World He's Series. He's not old enough to be like what? Like my guy, my all time favorite, Johnny Gomes, is a true Devil Ray. True. Uh, by the way, leadership, Johnny Gomes. That might be another thing I need to write down for tomorrow. The greatest. Like, we, we expect that guys who sign these big contracts. Manny, Manny Machado is not a leader of men. He's a great athlete. There's no, the skill set for Manny Machado is, is, is unbelievable, and I still wish Josh Donaldson would have decked him in Baltimore because Donaldson would have kicked his ass. I would have loved that. But with that being said. Um, we don't get no violence. You don't sign Manny Machado thinking he's going to be your, 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 your clubhouse guy, Right. And then Tatis Jr.'s on steroids, ringworm. Your, your, your best guy in the clubhouse is not always going to be your best player. Johnny Gomes is the greatest example of that. Johnny Gomes was the leader of the A's, helped turn the A's around. You need that guy in your clubhouse, and you actually need a couple of them, but Johnny is a great example. It doesn't have to be the $300 million guy. And too many times... The nerds, i.e. baseball front office people, not here in Oakland but in other places, the nerds don't understand that because they don't understand culture and they don't – they're not – can I say they're just not good with communicating with people? Uh, yeah, That'd be a little rough? Might be a little, yeah. You need to understand human beings and how you, human beings operate. Just because you sign a guy because he's got great numbers and you sign him to this contract, you think that all of a sudden he's going to be a great – a great communicator and leader and a leader of, of, of other players. That doesn't always translate. You're not always going to – Steph Curry's a rare breed. Steph, I mean, let's face it. Jordan wasn't the greatest leader. Jordan basically kicked the crap out of his teammates and they had to follow along because he's the greatest player of all time. That, that's actually a fact. But, he punched Steve Kerr. But, hey, trust me, all their players knew. Have you ever seen the Jeremy Roenick where Roenick played golf with – Played 36 holes of Jordan, drinking beer all day long, and then Roenick bet against Jordan thinking this guy's been drinking beer all day. And then Jordan goes out and scores 40 in that game. But everybody knows Jordan's out drinking beer before the game's playing golf. Is that great leadership? Or he's out? Jordan was out all night long all the time. You talking about uh, Philadelphia Flyer great Jeremy Roenick or Sharks legend? He's or? a Black Hawk to me. <laughs> Sharks legend. <laughs> So it's like it's tough. Scores five hundred goal to Sharks. It's tough. Like when you talk leadership, it's like it's not always going to be the best player is going to be your leader. Sometimes you just need your best player. Griffey was a great Griffey. Griffey King Griffey Jr. was not a leader. Anything you know about? But he's a great player, great teammate. He's just he's not the rah rah rah. He's not the guy that he's not the glue of the clubhouse. He's put the hat on backwards. One of the greatest center fielders of all time. Sometimes you just need your great players. Just hey, go be a great player. Right? That's a good question. Who was that, Mariners? I mean, I should Jay know. Jay Buhner. I was, was going to say Jay Buhner. But Jay Buhner. So. Not to act like I was in the. I was there. The 90s clubhouse. I, w- I was. Seattle Mariners. I, I was there. I went back and we'll rewatch every 1995. game. 1995. It's a great. Day. No, we don't have to get into that. All right. 
Can we? Are you going to write all this? I've been spitting knowledge here. Did you write any of that down? Well, I have for this, tomorrow, I have the Bob Melvin stuff already ready. And leadership, yeah. All right, we'll get into it tomorrow. I think the Shohei Otani thing's interesting because they're speculating: is he going to come back? And like, like, or is, is it just like one day everybody showed up and he's gone, just gone? He was there this weekend. They said he's going to be there for the final home stand. I thought he was there this weekend. They showed a picture of him. Yeah, is he going to? Is he going to like? Hey, this is what's going on. And boy, the Angels. The Angels have to. They have to wear it because they want to resign him. Yeah. Well, this could be a very interesting offseason for them with him and Trout. Who's next? Uh, we're going to play Mark Kotze leading into Ace Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. The great Mark Kotze next. Thank you for watching. We'll see everybody tomorrow right here at four o'clock for Ace Cast Live. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, it's Eno Saris, your friendly neighborhood baseball scribe. There are two things I love, baseball and beer. When I'm not busy around the ballpark, you'll likely catch me back with a cold one at any of Fieldwork Brewing's eight locations sprinkled across the Bay Area. Fieldwork's got a rotating lineup of over 20 beers on tap that's as diverse as any 26-man roster. They got everything from super juicy, hazy IPAs to crisp pilsners and tropical sours that make your taste buds do the wave. Whether you're all about that draft life or prefer to grab some cans to go, Fieldwork's got your bases covered. Check them out at fieldworkbrewing.com to learn more. That's fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.